0: You are part of our kids' ministry. You are dismissed to the back for your time of worship. And we know that we, as your faith family, are praying for you. We love you. And we're excited about what you're about to learn and, and uh, participate in together t- today. Today, we continue in our series through the Gospel of John. Over the past few weeks, we've seen a a couple of people approached Jesus with voids in their life, right? A few weeks ago, Steve Dighton shared with us about Nicodemus in John chapter 3, a very religious man, so religious that he was considered a religious leader of that day. He devoted his life to teaching people about his perspective on God, but the reality in his life was that religion wasn't working for him. There was still a void in his life. It was not bringing satisfaction in his life. So he approaches Jesus about some of Jesus' teachings. And Jesus told him, you need to be born again. You need to have a brand new spiritual start. A fancy theological word for that is you need to be regenerated, spiritual regeneration. And Jesus explained that happened only through belief in him. Last week at the first part of John chapter 4, we saw Jesus' journey through Samaria. He came to a Samarian town of Sychar. He sat down at a well there because he was thirsty and he was tired. And a Samaritan woman came out and sat down uh, with him. She began to draw water out and Jesus told her to give him some water. And what did she tell him? Basically, she told him, get it yourself. And uh, Jesus went on to explain to her, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for living water. And he explained through the physical illustration of water the need that she was spiritually thirsty. She needed spiritual satisfaction. She needed a void in her life filled. And he even knew everything about her. He told her, I know you have five husbands and the man you're living with is not, not your husband. She went back into that village of Sychar and she told the village, I'm, I've met a man who knew everything about me. The whole village came out and Jesus spent three more days with them and this whole town believed in Jesus. Today we're going to be introduced to a man who's going to come to Jesus in a moment and time of desperation, a time of crisis. In 2001, on September 11th, you may remember that. Some of our students, it's hard to believe this, they don't remember that. If you're a senior in high school, you were one years old when September 11th happened, so time does go by quickly. I was in the ninth grade. And if you remember on September 11th, 2001, our nation, we found ourselves in the middle of a crisis. We had been attacked by terrorists in New York City and Washington, D.C. Many of us remember that our churches across the country, all of a sudden, there was a huge attendance spike. You didn't have to twist people's arms to come to church anymore, did you? That there was a huge attendance spike across the country in churches. In fact, in 2006, Gallup did a study on this, and their poll showed that the couple of weeks after September 11th, church attendance did spike, but by January of 2002, just four months after the attack, church going returned to its regular pre-attack levels. In fact, Gallup even wrote in their poll, it said other religious be- behaviors, if they were affected at all, found equilibrium even more quickly. As of October 2001, Americans' engagement in Bible reading and prayer was no different than pre-attack levels. And has been essentially consistent from that point on. So as a country, we found ourselves in a moment of crisis. A lot of people looked to the church and religion, but the reality is it didn't last. Because the church couldn't solve that crisis. The church could not bring inner peace. Though we have a message of peace, the church cannot bring inner peace. Only Jesus can. Well, today we're going to meet a desperate man, a man who has a crisis going on in his life, and he comes to Jesus with it. So if you have a Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 4. We rely on the Word of God during our times of preaching and teaching, so I hope you have a Bible. And turn over to John chapter 4 and look at verse 46. That's where we're going to pick up and start. John chapter 4 and verse 46, and that's where I'll start reading. It says this, He, Jesus, went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son, since he was about to die. Jesus told him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. What we see here is that Jesus had returned to Galilee and his reputation has really grown, mainly because of his miracles. A lot of people, they just came out to see the circus, they came to see the show of Jesus. And so his reputation has really grown. He's got quite a following now at this point. And a royal official whose son was really sick comes to Jesus. This royal official was someone whose job was to be at the service of the king, but he wasn't like a servant. He was in a a position of ruling. This guy would have been under King Herod at this point. And we can think of this guy as a nobleman or a ruler. And he hears that Jesus had come from Judea and the Galilee, specifically the town of Cana, and goes and finds Jesus. Now, this man lived in Capernaum. This royal official lived in Capernaum. Capernaum was a coastal town, kind of like you can almost think of it as like a vacation town, like a Myrtle Beach, um, Destin, Florida. It was right there on the coast. Well, Capernaum to Cana was one day's journey. So this man traveled one day to go and find Jesus. And I'm sure you can imagine with the crowds that followed Jesus, this man had to ask around, where's Jesus? I need to see him. I've got to talk to Jesus. So you can imagine the frantic uh, pace that he was looking for Jesus. And he finds Jesus. This royal official comes to Jesus... And pleads with him to come and heal his son. Now, some translations say that, that he asked him. You may, I know we have different translations floating around out in the crowd this morning, but my translation that I'm using this morning, the Christian Standard Bible, I really like it because it just doesn't say he asked him. It says he pleaded with Jesus to come and heal his son. This man, a government official, is begging Jesus to come and heal his son. We see the desperation of this man here. There's a real crisis going on in the life of this man. His son was about to die. Now, let's pause for just a second and let's put ourselves in the shoes of this man. We don't know the age of his son, but the man did tell Jesus that he was a boy so he couldn't have been too old. We don't know what this boy was sick from, though we'll see in these next coming verses that he, was, uh, that he had a fever, but we don't know the exact sickness or the exact diagnosis of this little boy. But this royal official was under the impression that his son was going to die. Now, if you're a parent this morning, I see Kurt and Stephanie Hoobin are here this morning. They're brand new parents, and so they've just entered into this phenomenal world and world of chaos of being a parent. But if you're a parent this morning, I think we can identify with this man. He loves his child. He loves his little boy. Like only a parent could, and his child, his son, is terminally ill. Now, I don't know about you. I have three kids, two boys and a little girl. I don't know about you, but if one of my three kids were terminally ill, I would be desperate. I would be desperate. I would be a wreck. I would would be doing some pleading with God. I would be doing some pleading with Jesus. In fact, the reality is this, and I'm just being transparent with you. In in fact, I would rather die than one of my kids. And I think if you're a parent here, you you would echo that exact same thing. I would rather die than one of my kids. So if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. So put yourself in this man's shoes. He's pleading with Jesus to heal him. Begging Jesus to heal him. Let's see what happens. Let's go to verse 50. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his servants met him saying that his boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him. Your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now, this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. So what we see happening here is Jesus tells this man, Go, your son will live. Look again at verse 50. It's really interesting here. Look again at verse 50. It says that the man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. If you are a highlighter, an underliner, underliner, a circler in your Bible... Do that, whatever your preference is. Do that to that sentence, the man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. This man has what we call faith. Faith that what Jesus said was true and that it was going to happen. Now, it's kind of interesting here that the royal official doesn't say to Jesus, well, prove it, does he? Jesus tells him, go home, your son's going to live. But the royal official, he doesn't say, prove it i think for a lot of us when we hear jesus say something what do we say prove it we don't see him ask jesus are you really god we don't see him ask him how do i know you're real he just believes jesus and then he acts upon that belief and goes home you see here's the reality for every one of us we are not going to understand everything about jesus we're not now i encourage you to try and to pursue that knowledge of Jesus, but we're not going to understand everything about Jesus. In fact, as in our pursuit of Christ, we're going to have a lot of questions, and that's good. We should have questions. But at some point, if we want to know Jesus, we're going to be confronted with, do we believe Jesus or not? As you pursue to know Jesus, and you seek Him out, you and I are going to be confronted with, do we believe Jesus or not? It's a simple question. Do we believe him or not? Now, we're not talking about historical belief. We've talked about that the last few weeks. We're not talking about historical belief. If we believe Jesus was a great teacher, that he was a good man, that he existed. That's not the question. It's not historical belief, but belief who he said he was and belief that he did what he did. That's what believe in Jesus And here's what happens when we believe Jesus. That genuine belief turns into action. It changes what we do. We're a different person because of it. So if you're sitting here this morning and you claim to believe Jesus, yet nothing in your life has changed, the Bible teaches us, especially in 1 John, that we need to examine ourselves to see if we really are in the faith, if we really believe. If we claim to believe Jesus and there's no action because of it, there's no life change of it, we really need to question ourselves, do I really believe Jesus? So this guy makes the one day trek trek back home and somewhere along the way, the servants meet him and they tell him that his boy was alive. Now let's put ourselves in the shoes of this man again. Can you imagine that? You think your son, your little boy is going to die, and now you're on your way home and your servants run to meet you and they tell tell you that he is alive. Can you imagine the relief in that moment? Can you imagine that relief? It would be like a 2-ton elephant getting off of your back. You could breathe again, you could think clearly again. You wouldn't live in a place of of panic, of of being frantic and It's really interesting what this guy asks his servants. What does he ask them? He asks them, what time did he get better? What time did all this happen? And they tell him, at one in the afternoon, and then all of a sudden... And John here, the writer of this gospel, he's a brilliant writer. He's so good. Because we almost have this reflection. You know, you could almost have the chimes going, right? If you're a movie or some kind of drama, you hear the chimes and all of a sudden this royal official reflects back to 24 hours before and he realizes that this was the very hour, the very time that Jesus told him, your son will live. And he believes Jesus all the more. His faith is strengthened. His faith is, is dug down deeper. It's, it's, it's more concrete. There's a foundation is stronger of his faith in Jesus. He believes Jesus all the more. And everyone in his house, family, servants, everyone believes Jesus. Now what's interesting here is Jesus was a one day trip away. Jesus wasn't even there yet. These people are believing Jesus. Faith, family, what we see here and what we're continuing to see over and over again here in the gospel of John is the redemptive purpose of Jesus. Jesus heals this man's son without even being present with the boy. He's not even there. We saw in John chapter two, a problem came up at a wedding in Cana where they ran out of wine. And what did Jesus do? He turned water into wine In John chapter 3, the first part of John 4, Jesus explained to Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman that they can have satisfaction and the emptiness in their life can be filled. Jesus redeems what is right, what is not right. Jesus redeems what is not right. He fixes it. And here's the reality for every one of us in this room, this hundred or so of us that are sitting here this morning, We are in need of healing. We need to be healed. We have sin in our lives. We are born with sin. We have brokenness. We have emotional baggage. Our lives are a wreck, and we need Jesus to make it right. We need Him to redeem it, we need His redemption. And just as this boy needed physical healing, we are, in, we are each in need of spiritual healing. Jesus offers it to us. We're all in the same boat here. We need spiritual healing. 1 Peter one twenty four. write this verse down, look it up later, but I'll quote it to you. 1 Peter one twenty four. it says, He himself, talking about Jesus... "...bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed." Ephesians 2.5 says that if we are believers, we were dead in our sin and we are made alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved. Believe in Jesus and we can be healed spiritually from our sin." This whole account of Jesus healing this royal official's son, this is the, the hero here is not the royal official. He really didn't do anything. He was just desperate. He was just trying to find a fix to his crisis. The hero here is Jesus, and this whole account of Jesus healing the royal official's son is a picture of the power Jesus has to heal sin and brokenness. But here's human nature. We run to Jesus in crisis, don't we? Don't we? We run, to Christ, we run to Jesus when there's crisis and in moments of desperation. That's human, that's human nature. In fact, some skeptics, uh, people that are skeptical of Christianity, they call, they call Christianity the faith of the weak. That it's like a good luck charm. It's some kind of superstition that we run to in moments of desperation and in crisis. Well, why do people think that? Because in times of, it's human nature, in crisis and desperation, we go to Jesus, but as soon as everything's okay, we don't need him anymore, right? That's how we treat Jesus. In times of crisis and desperation, people do, we do have a tendency to look and turn to Jesus. Now listen, I don't know what's going on in your individual lives. It's impossible for me to know what's going on behind closed doors and what's going on in each of your individual's lives. And it could be this morning that you are in a place of crisis. You are in a place of desperation. It could be a health crisis. It could be a financial crisis. It could be a family crisis, a relationship crisis. You could be sitting here this morning in times of crisis. Well, can I offer you some encouragement? Don't turn to religion. Don't turn to some kind of self-help book. Don't even turn to the church. And I don't want to sound trite and overly simplistic. I've had that fear all week in getting ready for this time together. And I don't want to be overly simplistic, but go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Find out who He is and grow to know Him. Because he will fill that that void in your life. He will give you that satisfaction that you are looking for in your life. Because you will find out that as your creator, he knows everything about you. He already knows everything about you. He already knows your, your desperation. He knows your crisis. He already knows everything about you. He loves you. He has compassion on you. And he offers healing from your brokenness. But here's the reality. Sometimes we just want Jesus to fix our problem, but really our problem's not what needs fixing. It's us who needs fixing. Because of our depravity, of our sinfulness in our lives, we need Jesus to fix us, not fix our problem. So turn to Jesus. Allow Him to fix you. Allow Him to change who you are. Because we have a tendency to wait for Jesus in only moments of crisis and desperation. We could be here this morning and everything in your life is going really, really well. We could be sitting here and we could feel blessed and everything's going well. Everything in our life is in, its, in, its, in a good place. And let me tell you, there will be a time when crisis is going to come. It is a reality for every one of us. There are going to be times of crisis in our lives. So turn to Jesus now. Grow to know Him now. So during those times of crisis and desperation, our faith will not be shaken. It will be rooted in Him. Because we have a tendency until crisis and desperation Come, Then we go to Jesus, but when life's really good, as long as our relationships are good, there's money in the the checking account, and family is doing well, we really don't need Jesus. And we treat Jesus as nothing more than a heavenly office depot easy button. We just want him to fix our problems. He's just our heavenly problem solver. And then when life returns back to its place and it's in a good place and we're happy, then we don't need Jesus anymore and we're back in our normal routine. See, here's what we have to understand about ourselves. We're all broken. We're sinful. We are in a constant state of sinfulness. And we're honestly in a pretty desperate place spiritually. We need help. We need rescuing. We need healing, and Jesus as the Redeemer, He fixes that. He redeems it. He He redeems us. He fixes our human brokenness that we each have. So let's not treat Jesus as some kind of -of get-out-of-jail-free card in life, but allow Jesus to fix us, to heal us, change who we are so that we will run to him. In each of our lives, we must run to Jesus. We must plead with him and believe in who he is and what he has done for each one of us. Pray with me. God, thank you for this narrative. We thank you for what we can learn from this interaction between you and this royal official. And God, I pray if there's anyone here that has never truly believed in who you are to the point where it's changed their lives, I pray that today, Holy Spirit, you would open their eyes for the need of salvation. Bring them to that place where all they can look to is You and that they would look to You for forgiveness of their sin and that You would heal them from their spiritual brokenness. I pray for those of us who are believers here this this morning, followers of You already. Jesus, help us not to just turn to You and run to You in moments of desperation and crisis. Though we ought to do that, but Jesus, help us, change us to be more like you. Forgive us for treating you like our Office Depot easy button. Forgive us for just looking to you in just those moments for you just fix our problems. But I pray that we would look to you to fix us, to change us. And I pray God, this is a scary prayer, but God, I pray you would do whatever it takes to make us more like Jesus. Strengthen our belief in you. God, call sinners to yourself in this moment, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Roxanne's going to pray or play for just a moment, and as she plays, let's do some reflection. Let's do some self-reflecting. Let's let the word of God do the work in our lives. Maybe today that you need to believe in Jesus Christ, that you need to look to Him for your salvation. Could be today that you just you need to put Jesus back where he needs to be in our lives there needs to be some reorganizing to where we just don't look to him in times of trouble but we look to him at all times if you would like to talk with someone at the end of our time of worship i'll be standing in the back pastor jason's available leadership team is available and we would, we would just invite you to come find us and talk with us about whatever is going on in your life. It could be you want to be baptized or, or join with our church in church membership. We'd love to sit down and, and, and initiate and have that conversation with you. That is your time to do that at the end of the service. But let's take some time now to reflect on what we've heard and seen this morning.